We have some uh, announcements to share with you before we get started uh, with the sermon this morning. A lot of those, uh, a lot of the announcements are around the rest of the, the uh, words are hard, uh, Christmas schedule, rest of the Christmas schedule. So we handed out these cards uh, last week. There are more of these cards out on the Welcome Center. If you misplaced it or didn't have one or didn't get one last week. Um, but coming up over the next, uh, few, the next few days, December 20th, we're meeting here. And we're going to start out the night. Um, well, I don't know if we're going to start or end the night by doing some caroling. Some good old-fashioned Christmas caroling uh, around the neighborhood. Uh, we did that last year. And it was, holy cow, it was, I think it was the fa- my most favorite thing that we did last year. And I'm not a caroler, but man, was that fun. Um, and then we're going to have uh, cookies and hot chocolate and a Christmas movie, um, a Christmas movie back here afterwards or before, I'm not sure which one. And then the 22nd, which is next Sunday, a week from today, in worship will be the um, kids program. Um, they've been working hard to learn some songs and do a little uh, a Christmas nativity program for us, and it promises to be a lot of fun. Also, during service next week is um, the Ugly Christmas Sweater Competition. Um, there will be a very biased panel of judges that have been... <laughs> Um, that have been threatened to make me the winner. Um, so, um, no, so wear your ugliest Christmas sweater, or if you don't have an ugly Christmas sweater, just ask your grandma for her favorite Christmas sweater, um, and wear that one. Um, <laughs> wear it to, wear it to worship next week, and we'll have a little fun, um, judging who the ugliest Christmas sweater is, and this is the trophy that you will get to take home with you until uh, next year. So make sure you do that. It's a lot of fun. We like to try and have fun here uh, in as much as we're able. And then uh, December the 24th, Christmas Eve, uh, we'll have a Christmas Eve service here um, starting at 7 p.m. There has been some uh, question in the past about that, whether or not we will have child care, uh, we will have child care for ages uh, in like the nursery, the nursery child care, no conduit kids um, downstairs. So feel free. I will be bringing all five of my kids in their pajamas. So feel free to bring them in their pajamas, that kind of, uh, that kind of night. And that, that service uh, runs one hour for those wondering about Christmas uh, Eve schedule. Okay, so... Um, 7 o'clock, the Christmas Eve service. If you have any questions about any of that, uh, feel free to see uh, myself or Ellen or uh, Jess after the service, and we're happy to get that to you. Oh, also, um, uh, remember that we have the, um, the uh, okay, are you ready for it? You didn't laugh too much last week, but out in the, out in the foyer, right, is our... Um, partridge in a prayer tree. Uh, uh, there you go. There you go. 
the Christmas prayer tree, right? If you have uh, things that the staff can be praying for throughout the week, there's a white Christmas tree out in the foyer with some Christmas tags. Um, write, your, uh, write your prayer request on a tag, hang it on the tree. You can, you can do it anonymously, of course. You can put your name on it if you'd like. And uh, we've, been praying through, we've been praying through these throughout the week. So um, do, that. do that if you would uh, like us to pray for you. So um, a partridge in a prayer tree, that's good, right? That's a good one. That's good, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, okay. It's a dad joke. Christmas dad jokes. Um, okay. We need to find some way to shift gears here. So let me pray us into um, Isaiah chapter 9 uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word to us. Lord, we thank you that um, forever and always, Jesus has been the answer. Lord, Jesus was the answer before we knew we had a problem. Jesus is the answer in the midst of everything that we're going through. Jesus will continue to be the answer. Uh, Jesus is always the answer. And so as we approach the Christmas season, as like now, Father, we are in we're waiting, we're expecting, we're anticipating like kids on Christmas Eve night and on Christmas morning watching and waiting for a Messiah, for a Savior. Lord, in your word, Lord, your word both promises, predicts, and fulfills the one who will come. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Lord, and you have called him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Lord, in, in as much as we have ability to understand and comprehend, would your Spirit, reveal the truth of your word to us this morning. That you are everlasting. You have no beginning, you have no end. In Jesus' name, amen. So indeed, here we are uh, this morning. Uh, coming to some understanding of who this promised Messiah is, who this Jesus is, who, who is the one that is anticipated, who is the one that is expected, just what is he like, what will he be like, a wonderful, a wonderful counselor for certain, someone that, um, someone that does not stand behind us or walk in front of us or float in a cloud above us, right? But someone, um, as a counselor does, that walks alongside of us, arm in arm, willingly lighting the path step by step, even when we cannot see. Isaiah says here in the beginning of chapter 9 that those walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has 
dawned. And Jesus is that light. Jesus is that light as he walks with us as a counselor. Jesus is that light also as he uh, stands strong and powerful with strength and conquest as a mighty God. A mighty God both um, over the, the power of sin but also over the penalty of sin. A mighty God both in the forming of creation from the first all the way to the last as we read out of um, uh, we read out of the book of Revelation last week the the might of God that is wrapped up in Jesus Christ when he returns a rider on a white horse who brings with him the full army of heaven to cast down and to destroy the accuser of the people. And so we have this balancing act both uh, of a Jesus who comes in a gentleness and a kindness and a tenderness of a counselor. And then on the other end of the teeter-totter, you had a Jesus who comes with an overwhelming, uh, dis- not just display, right? An overwhelming presence of heavenly strength. Riding on a white horse, a name, a rider whose name is faithful and true. And when we come into um, this next name of God in Isaiah chapter 9, there is one word that sticks out. Isaiah recalls Jesus or the, the child, the son that will be born, an everlasting father. This word... Um, I want to draw our attention to this morning. The word everlasting is key here. And I don't want to talk too much about its origin or really what it uh, means uh, too much, only to say that the name everlasting God is one of the most used names of God in Scripture. From the beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation, the Bible uh, that we have, everlasting is one of the main names or descriptions of God and his character that is used. Uh, Over 440 times is this name or is this characteristic of God used in Scripture. That means that when when people were were, were recounting either the things of God or the person of God or the promises of God, when they were talking about God himself, one of the main ways that they related to him, one of the main ways that they communicated about him, one of the main ways that they understood God was in the nature of his everlasting character. Everlasting meaning or referring to this sense of, this is not a word, foreverness. This this eternal character, this eternal quality to both the promise, but also the nature. Everything wrapped up in who he is. The eternality of all that God is. Someone, something that is without limit, 
without measure. Now, this is one of those things that admittedly, right, can kind of mess with our head a little bit. Because we, we live in a world of boundaries, right? We, we, live, we live in a world where, where there is a beginning to everything and there is an end to anything. If you've ever, if you've ever had um, occasion to sit down and think about the promise of um, eternity with Jesus when we die in this body, right? You'll, you'll know what I mean because as you follow that rabbit trail, right? As you, as you go down that little hole, it can kind of mess with your head to think about what forever actually means. What is forever? What, what in the world could it, could it, how could I possibly encapsulate in some way that I can understand the nature of what it means to live eternally? Because everything else in my life has limits. Everything else in, everything else in time has a beginning and an end. And I was going to ask the question, but I already know. Um, I was going to ask, who has a, does anyone have a birthday today? It's Aaron Llewellyn's birthday today, right? So you see Aaron, make sure you say happy birthday. Anyone else have a birthday today? It was my, my wife's birthday uh, a few weeks ago, um, or a week ago. I don't know, like, wasn't it just like September last week? It feels like, how are we in December already, you know? Um, and and uh, the thing about a birthday is you ask anyone, when's your birthday? They know, right? It's like, your beginning is something that's like stamped on you from, from like, from the beginning, right? You ask anyone if they, like, um, so you, uh, most of you know that I, I recently lost my mom in the fall, right? And, and so I know that my mom was born um, November 10th, 1960, right? And I know that she died October 4th, 2019. And there is this sense where we, we, we measure, right? We measure life and we see its limits. And we understand all of life within the limits of our own understanding, within the limits of starting and stopping, and we don't really have a category to put things that don't have a beginning. And we don't really have a category to put things that don't have an end. Because for us, all of life is about beginning and ending. All of life is like, well, church is going to start and church is going to end, right? Lunch is going to start and lunch is going to end. The Bills game is going to start. The Bills game is going to end. The day started. The day will end. Everything starts. Everything stops. We live in this constant turnover of time. So to even, to even rest, our, rest ourselves for a brief moment on, on how over almost 500 times... Writers in scripture referred to our God as everlasting, as one without time, as one without limit or measure. That, that, that the very nature of who he is is defined 
outside of time, but in eternity, he is everlasting from beginning to end. There is a reason that he is called the Alpha and the Omega because he encapsulates the beginning of the end and then pushes down those boundaries. It's a difficult thing for us to like get in here, right? How do we come to some sense of what that means? And I, I would, I would um, propose that there is um, both a um, that there is a, a value in asking those questions, but what is it like? How do I think about time? How do I think about God's relationship, an everlasting God's relationship with time? I, I think there's a lot of value in asking those philosophical questions. I would never discourage anyone from saying, oh, you know, yeah, don't think about that. Just believe and just move on. I think there's really, really valuable things to ask about that. I also think that there's a, a, a real value um, to, to coming to understand some of the great mystery that is God. Some of the great mystery that is wrapped up in one that is called everlasting. Here, here's what I know. Um, a God that I fully understand is not very big. Uh, a, 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 a bunch of questions, a set of precepts that I have sorted out in my mind and that make great logical sense to me um, is not a very magnificent God. It's not very glorious, not very holy. I, I, don't, I don't want anyone to fall down and worship at the altar of my understanding or logic or intellectual assent to who God is. That is not a very big God at all because I am not a very smart man. And so my desire, right, is to both hold this pursuit of who God is, even in the things like everlasting and holy and glorious, but also to hold here that we serve a God of mystery. That, that, that we serve a God who is so totally different and other than you and I, that um, we will always be not fully knowing in this life. Now, that might be a, a comfort to some of you, maybe a permission to just receive some of the mysterious nature of God, to maybe hear things like a God that you fully understand is not a very big God at all, Right? I can barely program my TV. Right? I got a cell phone that I don't fully understand. And for others, it may just be a... Sorry. It may just be an opportunity to think about it in a um, slightly different way. What I do know is that scripture continually and over time without hesitation 
describes God as everlasting and eternal, one who sits not within our understanding and not within our timeline, but that sits outside of it. In fact, Scripture describes even the concept of time as not something that God is subject to, but that some, something that God created. That, that God sits outside of time as not subject to it like beginning. Well, when, did, when was God's birthday? When will God die? When did God arrive on the scene? Who created God? When did he start? When will he end? As not something that he's, he's not subject to those questions because time is not something that rules his character. It is time is subject to him. He is not subject to it. And continually time and time and time and time again, the biblical writers come to this point of saying, um, Lord, you indeed are everlasting. You exist far beyond and far before and far after anything that we see. In Psalm chapter 90, the psalmist writes verses 1 and 2. We have, I believe Psalm 90 is David. When he writes, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before, before the mountains were born, or before you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From forever to forever, right? From eternity to eternity. Before the world was here, before the mountains were formed, you were still you. You were not subject to anything that we see. You are not contained by anything that we understand. You have always been from beginning to end, everlasting to everlasting. Isaiah, where we are in this Christmas series, similar words in the 26th chapter when he says trust in the Lord forever for the Lord the Lord is the rock eternal this concept of the rock eternal um, is something that I want you that I want to stick with you this morning if you're a note taker right write down the rock eternal because, because that, that's, that's key this morning. Um, the rock eternal. But here, um, here's the million dollar question this morning. Who cares? Like honestly, I mean like honestly at the end of the day, who cares? Who cares if God is everlasting or temporary? Who cares? Um, I understand that. I understand that there is almost always a who cares question. Um, and I, I don't believe God is silent on the issue. Um, I, I, I really don't. Um, and we're going to get there. We're going to get into why it matters that God is everlasting. We're going to get into why it matters that God is outside of time. That he is not, he is not subject to our circumstance. He is not 
subject to our weariness. He is not subject to the circumstances of our lives. We go into Isaiah chapter 40. I want to read a portion of scripture for you here. Where God is also called everlasting. You may have heard this scripture before. If not, uh, you just receive it. This is in a portion. This is in a portion uh, in a portion of Israel's history where they are really uh, they are really coming to a place of doubt about the eternal promises and character and goodness and stick-to-itiveness of God's character for them. And so, in almost a rhetorical way, Isaiah starts out this portion of Scripture by, by being like, hey, hey, hello? Hello? Do you not know? Ha- have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Now, keep your finger here and look at a really particular part in verse 28. The Lord is everlasting, he is an everlasting God, right? He is the creator of the heavens, the ends of the earth. He he will not grow tired or weary. God will not grow tired or weary. How many are tired or weary? Yeah. God is not like us. God, God, God is not subject to the tiresomeness of life. God, God is not subject to the weariness of circumstances, to the debilitating chaos and stress and pain of relationship. God sits outside of all that makes us tired and weary. He is everlasting. He is forever. He is other. He is ineffable holiness and glory all wrapped up in one. See, being outside of time 
means that God does not get knocked off course by the struggle and the pain and the striving and the chaos and the tiresomeness pace, the tiresome pace or weariness of life. He is not moved by it. He is, listen, the rock that is eternal. He does not shift. He does not move. He does not change. He cannot be knocked off course. He cannot be unbalanced. He cannot be surprised in any way, shape, or form. From forever to forever. From everlasting to everlasting. He is the same. He is constant. He is constant. He is a solid rock in a world of shifting sand. Listen, why does it matter that we call God everlasting? Because in a world where everything changes, God is the constant we can rely on. In a world where absolutely everything changes, where nothing is promised or guaranteed God is the constant that we can rely on and in a world where everything changes being able to rely on something is a big deal being able to set your feet down on a solid rock that you know does not move or does not shift and I'm not overstating this, can literally change your life. Can literally change your life. Because when you spend your entire life, you ever, I mean, you're at the beach, right? And you go down next to where the water rushes up and you stand in the sand, right? And you watch your feet. And then the, the tide comes in, right? And the water rushes past you. And then as it rushes back out, what happens to all the sand underneath your feet? Gets sucked back out, right? Right? And And in a world where everything changes, stepping on something that does not shift when the water rushes over it is a place of refuge and strength. It is, an, it is an everlasting rock. It is a rock that is eternal. Have you experienced any change lately? Been any change in your life? Have, have you experienced any change in maybe a, a relationship that you had? Have, had, don't have hope to have, might have, a relationship that once was but now isn't. Do you experience any change in a job? Maybe you have a job, had a job, wish you had a job, searching for a job, not the same as it always was, like you had it, now it's gone, you didn't have it, now it's here, a change, right? Or maybe a change in where you're living, like I don't know where I'm going to live, I want to live, I don't know. 
Where could I live? Maybe a change in your health. Man, I'm healthy. I'm strong. I am unstoppable. I am powerful, right? And then like knee surgery and knee surgery and 37-year-old back pain for some reason. You got a crink in your neck and you're walking around like sheepers, creepers. What is going on here? Everything is changing, right? Right? Can I get an amen from the choir on that one, right? Yeah, okay. There's change, right? Hey, conduit, have you ever had any change in your life lately? It's like funny, not funny, right? Had any change lately? Had any shifting of circumstances? Had... Had, had any, like, what is, go, what sand is it that I am, what sand is it that I'm standing on right now, right? What, 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 where am I, like, how can I balance one way or another? Listen, let's just, uh, you know, I, I have this, um, some call it a blessing, some call it a curse to be comfortable naming out the awkward things in a room, <laughs> right? Oh. Um, but I believe it's important, right, to always say the unsaid, well, in most cases, right? To bring, to bring healing to places where secrecy and silence only breeds bitterness and roots of evil, right? And man, conduit, over the past two years, you've experienced more change than any church does in 30 years. There's no, there's no doubt, there's, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt, I mean, Staff people here and then not here. Vision changing and then changing again and then in another direction. And people uh, among us here and then not here and then here and then not here. And, you know, a lot of that, some of that is natural and happens. Because the thing, the thing about life is that we live in a world where everything changes. We live in a world where everything changes. And the only constant that we can rely on is God. He's the only constant that we can rely on. Not just for my life, right? But, but also for us here. That the, that the only constant, listen, that the only constant that we have here is the same as the constant that we have here. The, the only constant that we have here is, is, our, is our Heavenly Father. That everything else is subject to change. That, that everything else is subject to the same thing that everything else in the world is subject to. The possibility of, and sometimes the necessity of, things changing. Now, some people are change junkies. They love change. 
change it as many times as you want. I love to be like kept on my toes and things constantly moving. And, and, and even the people that really like change only like change over the things that they can control. Right? But when something is out of my control to change it, right? I don't like change anymore, right? I like change that I can control, not change that I can't control, right? So the question is, and in a world where everything constantly changes, how do we brace ourselves against the fact that everything constantly changes? Um, I want to show a really short video clip, all right, of a, of a movie. I think it was in the, I'm going to say it was in the 90s. I don't even know anymore um, what year it is. Um, but uh, a really short video clip from the movie Twister. You know, the movie Twister. You got it? Yeah, okay. Movie Twister, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit just about it. Okay, so there's, there's this uh, scene in the movie, and if you've seen the movie, you know all about it, right? Big F5 tornado coming through, right? They're running for cover, running for cover. How in the world do we get to a place of safety in the midst of this big storm? They run into this tiny little shack, right? And everyone's like, well, I don't think that's going to save you from that, right? There's this pipe that goes deep down into the ground, like an oil well or water well or something like that. And so they tie themselves, right? They tether themselves to this thing that goes really deep into the ground so that when the tornado comes through, right, they're not carried off. Now, we're not going to talk about, like, the shrapnel and the splinters and, you know, the freezers and cars running around them, like, whatever. The point is, right, how in the world did they stay safe? How in the world, in the midst of a storm that changes the landscape of everything around them, how in the world, of, of a, uh, in the midst of a world where everything changes and the only thing that you can rely on is God, how in the world do you remain unchanged when everything else changes is that you tether yourself to something that's immovable? Like you go into that little shack and you grab the, like, you, 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 you grab, like, the, the, the wall, right? 
You hide in the closet. You, you hide underneath the table. Right? That, that there's going to be a storm that is big enough that it moves the table. And if you are, if you are not tethered to something that is immovable, life will move you. Life will move. And it will move you from one place to the next. And the place that it takes you is not always good. If you have found yourself consistently throughout your life completely derailed by changes that are sometimes just a part of life. People moving on, relationships ending, health deteriorating, losing jobs, gaining jobs, moving away, not having housing, going here, going there. If you have found yourself derailed emotionally, derailed mentally, derailed spiritually in these moments where life change happens, right? The question to ask yourself, the question that I ask you, the question to ask the Lord this morning is, what, what exactly is it that I'm relying on? What, 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 where do I have my feet? Do I have, do I have my feet on the shifting sand of circumstances that are inevitably going to change? Or do I have my feet settled firmly deep down upon the rock eternal? The one everlasting to everlasting. And look, folks, as a church, this could not be any more important for us. This could not be any more important for us. What are we tethered to? What, what, what is it that we are tied to? When, when the wave comes up and wants to take the sand out from underneath our feet, when the waters rise, right? When the streams come up, when the wind blows, right? When the tornado comes through, where, where are we tethered? Are we, are we tethered to a place? Are we tethered to a person? Are we tethered to a program? Are we tethered to a ministry? Are we, are we, are we tethered to um, nostalgia? Are we tethered to the way it was? Are we tethered to our own opinions about what it should be? Are, is that what we're tethered to? Is that what we're holding, holding strongly onto? Just hoping beyond all hope that it, that it stands firm. Because you know what? When you tether yourself to things that the world regularly moves, you will just fly around. Never feeling firm. Never feeling grounded. Never, never experiencing the uh, never experiencing the the weightedness of the promise of God's ever, ever everlasting nature for you. Never secure. Never rooted. Never planted. Paul, uh, the apostle Paul, dealt with. Um, a similar circumstance or situation 
I will say this, uh, like what, what they tether themselves to, with the Corinthian church. This is a church that he planted, right? Paul goes on to his, his mission to um, take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentile world, right? Goes to the city of Corinth, a really strategic port city, very cosmopolitan city, where he's going um, to evangelize them. He's going to set up leaders for the church. The church is going to remain, right? And so Paul comes into the scene. He evangelizes the city of Corinth. He sets up leaders um, to, to lead the, those who have received Jesus by faith there while he was there in ministry. And then he leaves and then gets reports of how the church is doing and what, well, like, what are the issues that they're facing and what's going on and how can I help and how can I pray and I'm going to revisit and da-da-da-da-da and whatever, whatever, right? And then in, one, in, in his first letter that we have um, an account of here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, one of the first things that he addresses with the Corinthian church is like, hey, look, you better be careful what you tether yourself to. Because there are right and wrong things. Look, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, let's start in verse 10. So listen, he, he, um, remember he's writing a letter to a group of people that he, he knows intimately and knows their situation Right? And, and um, he says this to them. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Some of you from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. And another says, I follow Apollos. And another says, I follow Cephas, or Peter, right? Another, I follow Christ. Paul rhetorically asks them in his kind of sarcastic tone, I think, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? What, what, what is the gist of what Paul says here? He's like, the rootedness of our faith, the rootedness of our lives together, the rootedness of our unity as a body of believers is not that you follow Paul and you follow Apollos and you follow Peter and you might follow Jesus and everyone has their own personality that they follow and then, and then creating all kinds of issues and all kinds of division and all kinds of problems when the, when the um, normal and necessary changes of circumstances in life happens, and then it just sends people, like, scattering, right? It's that when, when you remain rooted in Jesus Christ, you, you, remain, you remain rooted to the rock that is eternal. You remain rooted to the everlasting 
to everlasting. You remain rooted in the thing that is forever. That our, our rootedness is not in Paul. Our rootedness is not in Apollos. Our rootedness is not in Peter. Your rootedness, right? Your rootedness here. Your rootedness here. It's not in me. Please don't stay here for me. I will disappoint you. I promise. Your rootedness here was not with Pastor Corey. Your rootedness here was not with Katie. Your rootedness here was not with Pastor Ben. Your, your, your rootedness, your rootedness here is not in any person. We are not a, we are not a, we are not a cult of personality. We are a body of believers united by our faith in Jesus Christ. The one that never changes. The circumstances that do not shift. The sand that cannot be washed away. The solid rock of our faith in Jesus Christ is what brings us together, what solidifies us together, and the thing that circumstance can never change. We must believe that. We must be tethered to that. We must grab hold of that. Because I can guarantee that if we don't tether our, if you don't tether yourself to the rock that is eternal, you'll, you'll become smoke in the wind, blown away, disappearing at the, the next time a gust comes. James says this in his epistle. In James chapter 1, verse 17. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, and another way of saying that God is everlasting to everlasting. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Our God is everlasting. One that can be trusted in all circumstances from now until the end. One that can be tethered to in the midst of a storm. Whether that storm would be here in a church, whether that storm would be in your family, whether that storm would be in a relationship that you're experiencing intense tension or chaos or difficulty in. Whether that storm be in your own personal health or whether it be in your search for a job or a place to live or the next step for your family the circumstances will always change because we live in a world where everything changes. But God 
never changes. He is a constant that you can rely on. He is a solid rock in the midst of the storm. He is a place that you can stand that will never be moved. And when Isaiah, when, when, when Isaiah begins to promise the people that a Savior is coming, a Savior is coming, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, he gave a promise that the, that the, that the uh, extreme changes that the people had experienced up until that point, right, that, that they could be rooted in the everlasting nature of God. My prayer for you and my prayer for us um, both uh, today, of course, but always, right, always, is that you would find your rootedness in Jesus Christ. That you would find your tether. That you would stand on the rock that is eternal. Difficult circumstances? Yeah, still. But unmoved in the midst of the storm. Not because of your own strength, but because of who you have tethered yourself to. Who you have aligned yourself with. Who you are holding onto for dear life. Father, as we approach your word, we approach in humility, we approach understanding that we don't understand. Father, and we don't pretend to grasp the, um, the magnitude of what it means to be everlasting. To be outside of time. But what we do ask, Lord, is that when we, when we are tempted... when we are tempted to trust in people, when we are tempted to trust in position, when we are tempted to trust in how great life is going right now or how awesome my job is or how healthy and strong or how great things are going, when we are tempted to tether ourselves to the shifting sand of life, would you remind us, Lord, that you are the only true rock that will never be moved. You, Lord, and you alone are everlasting 
to everlasting. You, Lord, and you alone formed the world in all of its majesty and its glory. Before the world was, Lord, you were. Before the world was formed, Lord, your goodness still remained. Lord, and we, we desire as individuals, Lord, and especially as a church this morning to place our trust, Lord, in you. Lord, may we not be moved. May we not be moved as we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.